my name is Dave Hollenbach, the host of From Members to Excellence, a podcast that explores the many facets of leadership from the perspectives of some amazing people. We discuss the triumphs and failures that have shaped our lives and our leadership philosophies. I've found that it isn't whether we fail that defines us, but when we do fail, how we respond. Leaders dust off the ashes and use their failures as fuel to work harder and as lessons to come back wiser and stronger, more resilient, more determined, and more committed to excellence. Today, I'm speaking with Audley Stevenson. He is the host and producer of Audacious Living. Uh, it's a podcast on all of the major podcast platforms and and probably some of the ones that nobody's heard of. So, uh, And then uh, he is also uh, very well known in Canada. He is the commissioner of the National Basketball League in Canada. And, uh, you know, I, I was a guest on his show uh, the other week and uh, just had a great time, had a great conversation. And he was kind enough to agree to come on my show. So uh, thank you. Thank you very much, Audley. I, I really appreciate it. And am I saying your name right? I, Got it. Audley, it? No, you said it right. You, yeah, <laughs> I can promise you I've never used that joke before. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a couple times. Maybe a couple times. <laughs> well, thank, thank you very much for coming on and uh, sure. having this conversation with me. And, um, you know, thank you for having me on your show. Uh, yeah. Look, this is great to have an extension of that conversation because I really appreciated hearing uh, 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 chatting with you. And uh, I'm always big on perspectives. I love garnering perspectives and insights and, and even just understanding people's walks and journeys that they take in their own lives. And so um, having an opportunity to get that from you was fantastic. So this is, to me, you know, an extension of that conversation, just kind of maybe I'm doing a bit more talking this time. We'll know. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, I, I always like to get a sense of my guest's background and and the path they took to get to where they are. Um, Cause I, th I think that says a lot about people and you can really get a, a sense of who they are deep down by digging a little deeper. So where were you born and raised and who were your early influences? Yeah. You know, born and raised in Toronto, Canada. Um, you know, my, uh, the, the, my, my roots, uh, West Indian Jamaican background. Uh, so, you know, all my family was from Jamaica, you know, in, in the early seventies, um, you know, uh, uh, there was an influx of, of, of immigrants that came to Canada to start a new life. And, you know, my, my parents did just that. Um, and, uh, you know, shortly thereafter is when I, you know, I, 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 I came along. And, um, you know, when you talk about influences, you know, I, to be honest, Dave, I'm, I'm a mama's boy. I really am. And I, I, I look up to my mother for, for, for a whole, and even now, I mean, she's in her early 80s and I look up to her still just for the, the pillar that she's always been in my, in my life and in life, my family, my siblings, and her, her children and great-grandchildren and her great-great-grandchildren. She's still that rock-solid pillar of, of an individual. And, 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 and when I look back, and, and, and as you get older, you start to really appreciate things about your parents. And, and, I, and I look back and I can tell you that all of my best qualities, I've, I can see them in her. And I, I know exactly where I've gotten them from. Uh, she's got a heart of gold. She's so compassionate. You know, when I was growing up as a young young boy, um, you know, we 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 went to the uh, Salvation Army Church. That's where we you know we we you know we, that was our faith was, 
And um, she took her faith a step further and started to, and she actually literally started a, 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 a community feeding program. And it was like, and this, and this, you know, where every week she she cooked these meals and, and fed homeless people. Um, this was her ministry for a better part of a quarter of a century. Uh, it had gotten to a point where uh, it was, you know, it was, it was a weekly meal, and it became uh, something they did on Christmas, where it was an all-day thing, and scores of volunteers would come in, and she's leading the charge and directing and and preparing these meals. And it got to a point, Dave, where you know. I can't remember Christmases not being in that environment serving meals. My kids grew up there. Our families grew up there. This is just what we did. We weren't, you know, the typical sort of Christmas, you know, you're, you get up around the tree maybe, depending on that, you know, you, whatever traditions exist in your family. And you, you get Christmas morning. Gifts. We didn't do that. We were serving, we were peeling potatoes, you know, cutting vegetables, uh, serving meals. That That's what we did on Christmas for for many, many years until she finally retired, just, you know, she'd, she'd given it her all. So uh, things like kindness and compassion and giving to others and wanting to help others and being the best and being an encourager, um, being a provider, uh, her, her, her leadership skills were, were just, she was, a, she was a silent leader, quiet leader. And I appreciated that because I was able to see, you know, we oftentimes think those leaders are the ones that get up and rah, 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 and, and, and you don't have to be that way to lead. And she showed me that piece of it as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a mama's boy, and I'd say absolutely um, uh, big, big influence. My father also was a tremendous influence in my life, and I'll tell you very quickly. Um, shortly after I, I, I was born, my, my parents split up, and um, I, I was I was probably like six months old, uh, and I was in, the last time I, I, I was going to say last time I saw my father, but I have no recollection of that. So the last time he would have seen me, I was six months old, and um, he was gone. My, my whole life just didn't know that know anything about him. Um, the only thing I, I did is I carried this name, Audley, which was his name. So I kind of grew up being a junior. I was Audley Junior. Um, but that's all I knew about my father until, you know, I was in my mid to late 20s was the very first time that I met him. And um, I didn't know at the time that he was, uh, he was seriously, seriously ill. And, uh, you know, he was looking at his own, his own mortality and he wanted to, you know, quote unquote, find his son. And, um, you know, we spent probably two and a half, three years together before he actually passed. But when I reflect on my time with him, not only was his absence in my life growing up a tremendous influence in terms of how I wanted to be as a father and how present I wanted to be, but when he returned, when he, when he returned and came into my life, um, that also inspired me as well. And it really taught me a lesson that it's never too late, right? You can never, you can, you know, forget how much time has passed, what you have in front of us. So we absolutely made the best of those two and a half, three years. And, and, and those some, and some of my fondest memories of that time. So I, I, I can certainly see from both of my parents, you know, where, you know, where I got what from, what lessons I learned and what kind of helped shape me to where I am today. That kind of like choked me up, man. You got to write a book about your life. <laughs> Like that's so cool. Thank you. No, uh, thank you. It, it really, it really. I, I tell you, um, uh, uh, specifically my father. Um, you know, you know, you know. I, I didn't grow up going, "Oh my gosh, where's my father?" Because I had so much love. My, you know, my mother was everything to me, and so I didn't grow up with this yearning and this like 
you know, or feeling that I missed out on anything or my childhood was, was, was scarred or nothing like that at all. I grew up a happy child. It was a house of love. It was a house of laughter. We had fun and we were truly a family. And um, when, when, when he appeared, it was a bit of a shock. I'm like, whoa, you know, what's going on here? But what, and, and, I, and I also, the other, thing, the other thing, I didn't know right away, you know, what he was facing in terms of his own health. Um, he didn't disclose that initially. It was probably a, a year into our relationship where it was like, hey, you need to know this kind of a thing. But um, yeah, it, it, it was profound and, and, and impactful in, in so many ways. And, and like I said, his, his absence taught me what, how to be a better father, right? And you know, I've got three kids of my own and you know, I, I, I've been uh, as present as I humanly can be uh, for every major event and milestone in their lives. And I, I continue to be because you know, I wanted to be there. And not out of a begrudgingly, oh my gosh, because I didn't have my father. It wasn't that at all. But I just knew that that's what my role as a father was and still continues to be. Do you have any siblings? I, I, do. I don't. I do. I, how many siblings do you have? So it, um, when I met my father for the first time, I also learned that I had a brother. And um, so I have an older brother. Uh, and then uh, and with my, and my mother had four kids. So she had four kids, um, and then my, including myself, and then I had a brother on my father's side. So yeah, five of us. Man, that's cool. And, and so you grew up with, so you grew up with four siblings, or you four grew up us. with three of us. Three so of you, us. You, you grew up with three siblings, and then yep. you, and you met your your older brother later. That's right. In around the same time, I met my father. Yeah. And and, then, met... and his kids, right? So I was like, you know, he had three kids at that time, and so I met. So it was just a a whole world opened up, and you know, Dave, I gotta tell you, I I, I could vividly remember. Um, uh, so Red Cross. Uh, and I didn't know this at the time, but they've had, they've got this service where you can search for lost family members. And so that's what he had used to find me. And um, I could vividly remember, they called me and said, Hey, you, you're one of you. They, they say one of your natural parents is searching for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I called my mom like, Hey, what do you want? <laughs> He's like, no. and so I called, I called, um, I, I, and I remember calling him and the moment he said, hello, I said, hello. And he knew it was me right away. He didn't even hesitate. He knew exactly who it was. And and that was sort of the beginning of, and then, then it was like, oh, yeah, by the way, you got a brother and you've got this and you got, and that just opened up a whole new world. All right. So you, you went to, you went to high school. Did you play sports in high school? I was, uh, I, I was always a lover of the game of basketball. So basketball is always my number one sport. My issue is I was terribly uncoachable because I thought I knew it all. So, you know, I, 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 I think I played one year of high school and I got ticked off one day because of, um, oh, I remember that story. I'll tell you a quick story. This is so silly. So silly now you can look at it. So, so I had gone to a school where um, I was probably one of like three or four black kids, you know, I went to the school, uh, high Asian population, high European population, uh, and then, you know, three or four guys like me. Um, so they, they, I remember vividly, they, they, average, they, they announced on the PA system, you know, high school tryout, basketball tryout for high school team. And there were two days that were, uh, there, there were two tryout windows, right? So you had to come to the first one and the second one. Well, I didn't know that. I sort of thought, well, I'm not going to go to the first one because I know I'm going to make the team. So I'll skip the first one and show up on the second day. In my mind, it made sense. 
but it was a logical way of thinking. It just was just silly. So I showed up on the second day, and uh, I, I remember I remember going to the door and I pulled the door and the, and the you know the coach opened up and said, "Hey, what's up?" I said, "I'm here for trial." And he goes, "Well, you had to have been there yesterday." And I said, "Oh, I didn't need to come yesterday because I you know I was I, I you know I, I knew I was going to make the team. I was going to make the second day. So I'm here for the second day." So it doesn't work that way. You got to be here for both days. And I remember and I remember him vividly just kind of literally slamming the door on me. And I'm like, well, you know what, then? I'm never playing for your team ever again. And so I didn't play. <laughs> Look who won there, right? I, 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 who got the short end of the stick? And, 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 and I really didn't, but I was just really, you know, I was silly. I was young. I, I needed to learn that lesson of just being ignorant and silly. And, and I did. So there we go. So I never played any high level because I wanted to spite the school. And they, I won, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So after high school, you... Did you go to university and then? Yeah, I went to post. Went to post secondary. Very much um, uh, again the influence of my mother, who by this time had started this community soup kitchen program, and so I got in the social service industry. Uh, and I specifically wanted to be a, a youth counselor and help young people. Um, I, I got into sort of community advocacy work. Uh, you know, mobilize the communities around community involvement issues and and things of that nature. Um, I, I, I thought that's where I kind of wanted to go. And I, it was, and it, it started off that way. And I did a lot of sort of grassroots work in the communities. And that was, that was something that was really, really important to me. It was touching to me and it was impactful. Um, I, I did that for a few years. Unfortunately, it didn't pay a whole lot. Uh, and, or, or you're oftentimes working from contract to contract. And so I had to, you know, I just had to get a job, if you will, just because I, you know, I, I needed money and, you know, pay bills and stuff like that. And so, um, I sort of bounced around uh, for several years, different types of jobs. Uh, and then I, I landed something with the local government, uh, the federal government at that time. And that sort of opened up a whole career for me uh, because one of the pieces of the, the job, but then actually the, one of the first jobs I got was they wanted individuals that had um, community development work. I'm like, perfect. That's exactly where I come from. That's my background. And so that sort of career kind of started uh, and, and and so, but while I was doing, and, and so, so here's the interesting thing. So I'm, I'm doing this career and and, uh, and it's, it's fulfilling, it's rewarding work. Um, and, and, and I probably was, I was probably in that line of work for about maybe about 10 years. And I just started getting this itching, this calling to do other types of stuff, other things that interested me. And so in and around 2008, I said, hey, you know, I heard this thing called podcasting. And, you know, now 2008, this is a long, like, you know, these days, pod, everyone's got a podcast, like a business card. But back then, they were this rare kind of, what do you mean you talk with people and your audio is broadcast over the internet? What the heck is that all about? And so, um, uh, I, and I, now by this time, I had gotten other types of work. Like I had done some internships at um, sports stand channels. I was in the world of sports a lot, but I couldn't work in sports. I didn't activate. I, I, I didn't go to school for sports, but I knew that I could be around it. And so that was, that was an important uh, point for me to find ways to be around the things that I love. And so by, by doing that, I had actually naturally fell into the realm of podcasting. And so I was now, I, I had this popular podcast, uh, me and a friend of mine, it was called, it was called the NBA breakdown with Dave and Audley. We interviewed basketball players, uh, we had a blast, and it was a really nice combination of, 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 of media and sports. And um, uh, that we, we did that for five years, we had a million downloads, 
350 guests over. We, we, we actually wrote a book out of that. So capturing quotes from all our past guests. And it was such a, a, a fun ride. And, and that really opened up my world in a major way. So I've still got, I've still got this career in government, but now it's opened up this, this other world in the world of sports and, and sports media and digital media. And in 2011, in around 2011, this new league in Canada was getting started called NBL Canada, the National Basketball League of Canada. And um, a friend of mine who was a part of the league said, hey, you know, they, they, they're, they're, there's an interest for, there's a new league, they may have an interest in stuff that you do because at that time it was seen as revolutionary, groundbreaking, if you will. I'm like, sure, let's, let's get involved. And so I came to them with a, with a proposal on, I have a specific unique skill set that you don't know you need, but I can provide it for you. And that was my pitch, basically. They took it. They, I, I jumped on board. I started to become involved with, I, initially I was doing a podcast with them. Uh, then it slowly evolved into other types of work. Um, I became the director of communications. I grew within the organization. Uh, and then in, in, in 2017, uh, and I, I'm skipping a lot of steps here, but in uh, 2017, they had asked, I was appointed to the position of deputy commissioner to support the commissioner in that role. And um, I was actually, I, the funny story is shortly after I accepted the, that role as deputy commissioner to support the commissioner, the commissioner of the league, uh, he was from the States originally. And uh, so he decided to go back home and be with his family. So I, I de facto became the commissioner of this league. Uh, and I've been in the role since, um, ever since then. Uh, it's been a tremendous ride uh, learning from a growth development, a business, a business now, you know, so we're talking about the sports side, the business aspect of it is I've, I've learned immensely from that. And um, it's just, it's just, it's just been a blast. It's been a blast. In your roles, going through your professional career, um, going from social services into the federal government, uh, into doing a podcast, interviewing basketball players. You know, you're you're a great communicator. Thank you. Where where did that skill come from? And you know, I, I know that you didn't just start working with people out of college and you're this amazing communicator. There's skills that develop, but where where do you think the biggest lessons in how to communicate with people came from? Where do you think that comes from? So, so I, I, I truly believe that we all innately have these skills inside of us that need to be fostered, developed, and grown and encouraged to use. Um, uh, growing up, I was encouraged. To, we, were, we, we, we all were communicators in our family, and we were encouraged to we're, and I, I, it's going to make sense to me, but we're encouraged to, 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 to do new things, to be bold, to be audacious, to take chances, to take risks. Like we, that, that was just the environment that I knew. And so, and, and the same would be for the manner in which we commun our communication, we just communicate with people. I think what I, what I started, so and, and there's no question, there's some things that were just naturally there, right? There was things that were naturally there, and there's some things that I had to learn to understand. Um, I had to learn how to listen and learn how to recognize what other people have and how to pull that out of them. And so, you know, what I, I can tell you that when I started my very first podcast, I did my very first podcast interview, you know, there's a lot of things I had to learn. I had to learn how to interview people. I had to learn how to pull information out. And a lot of that starts with listening, being curious, 
um, uh, you know, being inquisitive. These are all things if you want to garner the best out of people and get them to give you the nuggets, you've got to learn how to draw and pull that out of it. So, you know, having, I think in everything that I've done, I've exposed myself into realms that allowed me to do that. Uh, like I said, after after interviewing 350 people for a podcast, you pick up a few things, right? You learn a few things. You master some skills. You get better at it. And and I and I and I think the thing that I've consistently have always done is uh, uh, put myself or found roles where it allowed me to do the things that I enjoy doing and do the things that I that that, that I was good at doing. And so. Um, and everything that I've done, I've always been a communicator. I've always had an opportunity to communicate. And I've just gotten better over time because it's something that you consistently do over and over and over again. And so I think that's where my bet that's where where I learned the most from. It's interesting when when I've taught leadership, um, I, I like to begin with communication because without that piece, effective leadership isn't possible you got it and the listening piece is so important but a lot of times you'll in in my experience i've found that people find themselves in leadership positions but they feel like they need to tell everybody yes how how much they know and all so they don't do a whole lot of listening and they their self-awareness isn't where it should be or could be. So they're not watching those, those clues as to how they're being received. Their self-awareness isn't where it should be. So these are all those soft skills of leadership, the, the emotional intelligence pieces. And I, I've talked about this on, I don't, I don't even know how many interviews now, but what is interesting to me is that the men that I speak to that get it and have this kind of innate ability to communicate effectively were raised by their mothers or Mm. a woman. Mm. And it's like men that were raised to be like macho men, right? Like we don't talk about our feelings, right? You know, I don't need to tell you how I feel. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm sure that you were encouraged to express yourself, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's funny. I just I just had a conversation the other day with someone. Um, uh, uh, so so. Uh, and, you know, Google does this thing where it goes back to your past photos and it makes these collages and makes these videos and whatever. And 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 it did and, and it, 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 it did that with my 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 second my daughter, my middle daughter Jalisa. Uh, she's about to turn eighteen, and she's on the autism spectrum, right? And so all of a sudden, you know, Google throws this thing on my phone and goes, "Oh my gosh, look how fast they grow up!" And it gives you this mini a minute and a half video of all the stuff in your phone, or you know, all the stuff you have on your, you know my daughter. And I bawled. I, I watched this thing and I just bawled. And I was telling a friend about this. And I said, I, I find that as time goes on, I become more emotional and I'm more in touch with my feelings. And but but I do remember very much early on where it started where it was okay to, if you didn't feel good, to talk about not feeling good. It was okay to 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 express happiness in which we did with lots of joy in my house, but it was okay to to express 
emotions and how you're feeling and, and do and in some instances do some work to understand why you feel the way you do and where it's possible. Sometimes you can't always, but there's times where you can say, this is what it is. And so, and, and, and again, as I find as time goes on, I get more emotional and it's easier to become emotional. And I think, you know, and, and I never, it's funny, I never thought about, um, I never thought, put any thought, and you're gonna make me think about that a bit now in terms of how much my upbringing has encouraged that. But it, it I can see it as you say that, it absolutely has. In male-dominated occupations and organizations, a lot of times the um, certain factors of emotional intelligence are lacking mm -hmm. because there's not a whole lot of women, right? You know, and and it takes men like you to step in and go, you know, this is what real leadership is, is like, right. Right. and right. and I, I feel like the more we could encourage, like as men, encourage other men to embrace yeah. this higher level of leadership. And I don't know, maybe in, encourage the culture of these organizations to yeah. be more inclusive of women, because I think a lot of times uh, male dominated organizations want to keep it that way. Right, right. I said. And uh, and so I'm coming from the perspective of the fire service. Yeah. And yeah, you can see it right away. Absolutely. That macho environment. So absolutely. I get it. And, and so when you talk about encourage, I think for me, the number one way uh, uh, leaders can will always be able to influence bar none, forget their words, is through their actions. If your actions are consistent with the behaviors that you want to see in others, I think you're on the right path, absolutely. And so, so if you can show other individuals or other males specifically, um, uh, it's okay to be vulnerable. You know, it's okay to to not have a good day, or it's okay to express joy and happiness. Uh, all of these things, all of these are natural emotions. Because real, at the end of the day, if you are uh, uh, suppressing emotions that are innate to you, I think you're we're suppressing a piece of ourselves. We're hurting ourselves. I think yeah. we're expressive, right? And, and, and the piece, the number one piece, the reason why I think that's so important because it now opens up the pathway for us to connect to one another, right? And it and enables us to connect on, the, on a real level. And as a leader, if you're unable to connect with those around you, you're going to have a very, very, very difficult time. And so I think by showing that you're a human, that you're not a robot and that you are real, uh, I think, you know, I, I think you can really get gain some uh, pretty incredible ground by doing so. And, and the other thing that really struck me when you started talking about your mother mm. is this life of service. And that is the path that you went out on. And I, I don't think that most people would view the commissioner of the National Basketball League as living a life of service, but that is what leadership, true leadership is about service, making like ensuring the success of the organization, of the people that you're leading. I mean, and yeah. you have to have that mindset to, to be successful because it has to be genuine or you won't last in that position, you know? Well, well, you're absolutely right. And I'll, I'll even take it a, a step further because uh, not only is just the people that are leading, but the players that come into our league. You know, these are young professionals who 
are, are chasing a dream of being a pro basketball player. And, uh, and I mean, one of the things that I, that I oftentimes talk about with many of these players, as long as the NBA exists, which is the top basketball league in the world, there's always something to shoot for. So as happy as, as, as we are that these very talented players come into our league, we're even happy when they go else, somewhere else. And, and whether, whether it's the NBA or other types of leagues where they can you know, make a flourishing career, go overseas, make good money for them and their families. Like we celebrate that. We, you know, we, we, those are successes for us. You know, it's not about just staying with us. It's wanting the best for people so they can do bigger and better than they even thought imagined. And so if, if, if I or we can be a part of that journey and a part of that story, man, you know, words can't describe how that feels. Now, how does a player find their way into the National Basketball League of Canada? Yeah, well, you know, we're, we're now in an era where, where you know, everything's online first and foremost. Uh, a lot of players have agents. And so, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like, so let's say, you know, let, let's say you're, you're, you're a, a, a top Division One player, right? You play college ball, Division One, or even D2, or even D3 for that matter. And... Um, you know, you're, you're, you, 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 you have the wherewithal and the desire to play pro when you finish college, right? But maybe you're, you're not quite there at the NBA level, right? You've not got to think about, well, where else can I go? What are the other options that are available to us? Um, or to me, rather. I can go overseas, or maybe I can stay in North America. And so there, there, there are a lot, there, 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 the number of options is starting to really grow, um, what oftentimes is why our league is desirable is for, for a lot of players is the fact that you can still be relatively close to home. You're just going to Canada now, right? Or if you're a Canadian player, you're staying at home, right? Yeah. As opposed to going overseas, a uh, new country, new food, new language. Who knows if your phone will work over there? You're away from family and friends, right? So that 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 is an appeal for for a lot of players. Um, you know, if, and, and here's the other thing too. If you were, and I'll, I'll use, you know, if you're a, you know, a Canadian. So if I, was a, if I was a top Canadian player and I got an opportunity to go to Duke University, I'm playing, you know, basketball at Duke University. I play for my three or four years and then I have an opportunity to go pro. I'm not quite at the NBA level. I'm not quite at the NBA level, but I can play pro. Well, I now come to Canada and this is the first time that many of my family or friends are seeing me play at a high level because I was away at school. They never saw me. Right. Or yeah. maybe, or maybe I, went, I went to school and I went overseas and they never, they not sure I could see online, but I mean, in person, you know, watching that is special to a lot of players. It really, really is. And it means something to not only them, but to their families. And, and, and that also is something uh, that feels incredible to be a part of. Do you feel like that is what the National Basketball League set out to be? Or is that how you've evolved to have that, you know, professional development as part of the league? Yeah, well, it's, it's it very much was like one of the core tenets of the league, right? It was to provide an opportunity for Canadians um, to play at home. Absolutely. That was always a part of it. I think once you get started, and you see it, you, you, there's one thing to talk about it and what you want it and, you know, what you want it to be. 
when you actually see it, then it hits you, Dave. It just hits you like, wow, this is special. This is wonderful. This is incredible to see, right? So, um, but yeah, that, that was the, always the core attendance of the league in terms of this is what we want to be and here's where we want to go. And, you know, we're very proud of the fact that, you know, we've been, this league has been around for 10 years and as crazy as sounds, you know, there's, it, it's, it's Canada's longest running pro basketball league. There hasn't been a league in Canada that's been around for 10 years. Wow. Yeah, and that's what we're proud of. And, you know, we, and we've had thousands of players come through our league, which is another really cool thing like thousands of players whether they they were pro or semi-pro or just chasing a dream whatever and they, they, they've had an opportunity and you know here we are still doing it which we feel good about what's next for you like from commissioner where do you go from there i i, I am very very much enjoying what i what i get to do i have the opportunity to do um uh you know in in march of 2020 um, when the pandemic hit and shut down the entire world, and we all were impacted the exact same way. Um, we had everything taken away from us. And that included the game of basketball for me. We, we just stopped. We couldn't do it. We had to stay indoors. We couldn't play. We couldn't be around the game. It was done. And I remember um, during that period feeling very heavy, um, realizing, not in the exact moment, but realizing after the fact that I was going through a state of depression, not having that thing that I love. Like it was, the rug was pulled out from, from under me. Like, what happened? What, you know, what do I do? And um, when I start to kind of process out loud with friends, I'm talking, I don't feel good. I don't want to get out of bed. I, I feel lethargic. And as I start to process, I realized what was, what was happening to me. And I knew in that moment, I've never been one of them guys that stay down, Dave, like, you know, if there's something going on, I can find a way to fix it. I'm going to look, I'm going to search for that answer. And it became clear to me that I had to find a way to fill that void. And that's what led to me starting the Audacious Living podcast. Um, I felt it was important to, uh, first of all, podcasting was relatively easy for me to get going again, because I'd done it for so many years and had lots of experience and 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 I've actually had different all sorts of different types of podcasts. I've had basketball podcasts. I've had leadership podcasts. Um, uh, um, I, I actually used to host a, 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 a hip hop, old school hip hop, you know, podcast as well too. So I, I've done a bunch of stuff, and so getting back into it wasn't hard for me. And but but what I did know that is I wanted to do something that mattered to me. I wanted to do something that had significance and impact. And so for me, I started, to, I started to analyze my life and, you know, everything up. It was one of those moments where I can stop and look back. And I started to sort of look at, like, all the, the, the major successes and the milestones and the victories. All of those things were on the strength of me demonstrating some level of boldness or audacity. And it was at that point I said, yeah, this is what I, this is what I want to zero in on. This is why I want to help. This is why I want to encourage people. This is what I want to awaken in other people. This is what I want others to see the significance. And so that's what started this podcast. And I have been um, blessed beyond belief. I've gotten more out of it. And, and as a podcaster yourself, you might even relate to this. That I've gotten more out of it myself personally that I put into it. And I feel so blessed to be able to do that. But I, I'm, I'm taking a long way to answer your question about what's next. I don't know what the next part is. I didn't know I'd be doing the Audacious Living podcast, but I do know that when an opportunity appears, that I absolutely will be bold enough 
to take that risk and take a chance on it because you never know where it'll end up. Um, I had no idea. And, 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 and truth of the matter is, if, if I didn't have um, it in me to start this podcast, you and I, Dave, wouldn't be having this conversation today, a year and a half later. It just mm-hmm. wouldn't have happened. So um, the, what, the what next thing, I don't know. I've never been too overly concerned about what the future holds. Uh, but I do know that whatever the future holds, it's me taking that step forward and I'm, I'm going to go after it. So that brings me to really the the root of my podcast, From Embers to Excellence. You know, I in, in my book, I quote Teddy Roosevelt, mm-hmm. you know, the man in the arena, like every once in a while i'll i'll break this out and and share it um and it is very applicable to this conversation so it is not the critic who counts not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. And he he that's just like a little piece of this yeah. big speech that he gave on April 23rd, 1910 in Paris, France. And, and I feel it's so applicable to, I mean, everything that you just said is that, yes. like, don't be afraid to go after it, you know, be the man in the arena, go after it. And if you fall on your face, know yourself well enough to know that you're going to get back up and keep pushing and you're going to be better for it. It's funny. So I, I vividly can remember, um, uh, 2017, um, when the, the chairman of the NBL Canada Board of Directors approached me and said, uh, "We'd like you to, we would like you to be the deputy commissioner of NBL Canada," um, it was timely because I was actually going through a personal tor- turmoil. I was, I was, um, uh, my my marriage wasn't in a good place. Um, I had to make. I, w- I was kind of at that point where, like, do I decide to keep fighting or or do I let go? And I, and I vividly can remember um, where I said, I just got to let go. I can't, like, as much as I want, I, you know, I'm committed to this, but it, it can't just be one side, right? It, it both have got to have, and it just wasn't there. And I remember vividly, I remember the day I vividly said, okay, oddly, you've done, you've done everything you humanly could do. It's time to let go. And I vividly remember, it was almost like the next day, I got this call saying, hey, we want to create this opportunity for you. And I remember, I remember that moment going, yeah, this is important to understand. Like doors open because you've got to close other ones. 
So I had, I, I, I truly had to close that door. This, you know, this terrible thing going on in my personal life that was eating me apart and, and tearing me down. I had to close that to create this brand new opportunity. And uh, I, I, the, the funny thing about that story is I remember he called, it was a Friday. And uh, he said, hey, Audley, you know, we've been thinking about it. I've been talking to people. You know, this is an opportunity we want you to think about doing. What do you think? And I remember I was just so floored. And um, uh, I said, you, you know what? Thank you. This is incredible. I need to think about it. Um, can I call you on Monday? I, I need the weekend to think. And he was like, yeah, sure, no problem. And Dave, I hung up the phone. And the first thing I said is, what are you doing? What are you doing? What do you mean? What do you need to think about? Like, this is a tremendous opportunity. Take up the phone and call him back. And, and, and that's what I did, right? But again, it, it, it was it was, it was was all these feelings about, should I? I don't know. But but I had, to, I had to take that step forward. And by taking that step forward, it opened up so much for me. And, and I've never looked back since. We all know mm -hmm. that daring greatly can lead to some pretty big blunders. But in those blunders come great opportunities, great lessons. Lessons, that... absolutely, yeah. So I was wondering if you'd be willing to share one of your, what from the outside looking in could be viewed as a failure and maybe you even felt like you were a failure at, at, in the moment, but then you were able to go, you know what? Yeah, that's not me. And you, you take a lesson from that and whatever that lesson is, if you could share it. Hmm, good question. I, yeah. It's, 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 I, and it's funny. Cause I you see for me, even, even in moments, uh, uh, quote unquote failure, it, it, it was, I, I've always seen them kind of as like a hiccup or a setback. Right. I, I, I can't think of an instance in my life where, something didn't work out and I just rolled over and said, oh, I guess I'm a failure. Like it was always something that came out of that or it pointed me in another direction. Um, I, I, I sort of talked to one marriage. I mean, that, that, that could have been seen as a failure, but it opened up a whole other world of possibilities I never knew existed that I wouldn't have been able to take advantage of had I been stuck in that situation. So, you know, it, it's, it's, I think there's lessons in everything. Um, and, 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 and we, when these setbacks happen, it's, it's your approach to it and how you view it. And do you see it as something that will totally debilitate you and, and take the wind out of your sails? Or do you view that as an opportunity to, to, lo to, to learn, grow and develop or do better? And I think I've just always, I've always just done the latter, learn, grow and do better. And, I, and, that's, why, and that's why I struggled with the question, when did I fail? I don't know if I've ever failed. I've just, I've just done better, right? And so, you know, you know, you know, you know Michael Jordan has a quote where he goes, he's never lost a game. He's just run out of time. Like I've never <laughs> lost a game. I just run out of time. And so it's a very, very similar feeling in myself where it's like, well, no, I didn't I lose. I just had to figure something else out, right? And so that, that would be my response to be honest with you, Dave. Where, where does that come from? Where does that mindset come from? Because not everybody has it. Yeah. Uh, again, I point out my mom, man. My mom was, a, she was a, I mean, when, you, when, you, when you're a single mother raising four kids, right, you, you, you got to have a little bit, bit of that because people are depending on you, right? And so that's what I grew up watching. I grew up seeing this woman fight 
persevere battle and do it so well I was, i'd say effortlessly but it seemed effortlessly uh you know it wasn't to get older you realize the challenges and the turmoil and things that she really had to go through but it just seemed like no problem she'll deliver again and that's what, and so for me that's kind of what it's always been i, I remember you know having a conversation at one time and and i think I, I i i i said to her i was talking about something that happened i said yeah this is a stepping stone mom this is a stepping stone i'll figure it out and um i don't remember exactly when i said that to her but she remembers and she reminds me about it all the time you remember that time you said this was a stepping stone in life i'm like yeah i've never forgotten that right and this is a woman that taught me lessons and she's marveling at what i taught her right and so it, it's it's just it's a big part of the upbringing, uh, who I am, um, what I what I what I what I've sort of centered myself around. I've always been big into the the personal development space and wanting to get better. Um, and and I think that's just a natural part of it. Like you can't you you can't want to get better but believe you're a failure. You can't have both. It's it's, it's one or the other, right? And so I think it's a combination of a, of a bunch of things that have landed me where we are. And, and that's the reality, you know, Dave. We are a where we are right now. We reach this point as a result of a series of experiences. All the experience that we've had in life have brought us to this exact moment. And any other experience probably could bring us somewhere else. But we're here because of what we've gone through, what we've endured, what we've overcome, and the manner in which we've done it. We've been victorious. And so that's that, that's how I see it. Yeah. Yeah, man. This conversation, I, I feel, is going to be one of the most powerful conversations that people can listen to. Thank you. Uh, motivating, just, you know, there's a lot of people that are struggling right now, you know? Absolutely. And Absolutely. it really is about mindset. If you can shift your mindset, that's... That's what it's all about. I'll show, I'll show you another quick story. Um, my, uh, I, I referenced my daughter, my, my three, a father of three, an older daughter, two, two girls and a boy. My boy's the last one. I got my, I got my boy. Um, he was the last one. Uh, my daughter, my second child, uh, when, when she was born, she was in the autism spectrum. And um, autism impacts individuals differently. It's, it's not the same for everyone. Um, in her case, um, her speech was severely, severely delayed. And, and, and I could vividly remember like thinking, oh my gosh, like she's never going to say daddy again. Like, wow. Like, like th those are sort of thoughts that you have growing up and or as, as she's growing up and wondering, because you don't know what the future is going to be like. You, so you, you, you become engrossed with, you know, you almost create some of your own issues, right? Because you come engrossed with these scenarios that they're not proven, they're not, they haven't actualized themselves, but you believe it. And that's what your emotions go off of. And so I, that very much, I, I vividly remember feeling that way. And um, I, I'll never forget, we were, uh, my daughter and I, now she, at this time, she's probably four or five years old. Um, she's in the backseat of my car. We were driving sort of down this sort of semi-residential business area. And so um, there were a number of stores and they had their signs up. And as we were, driving down this road, you know, I can hear, I start to hear words like butcher, open, store, like, and, 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 and I'm like, what's going on, Jaleesa, my daughter, Jaleesa, what's going on? And not only was she speaking, she was reading. 
And 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 I, I was so blown away because up to that point, that wasn't the norm for her. She wasn't. But so so here I am being so concerned if she'd speak and she's reading and she's reading vividly. And so um, the, the lesson for me was that things happen in their own timing, right? Things happen. So so for those who are struggling and those who are going through a difficult time, recognize that things happen when they should happen. Not when we want them to. We can't force them. They happen when they should. And, and, and as difficult as that to hear and understand, especially, and I get it, you know, and I, and I don't want to dishonor the struggles people are going through by going, ah, it'll work out. There, there is some pain there. There is some hurt. There is some emotion. But there also needs to be some belief. There also needs to be some hope. There has to be some faith that it will get better. And I think that, you know, the, the faith and the hope and the belief, I think those are the things that truly drive change. I believe that if you stay in this pit of misery and you stay in this, this hole of, oh, woe is me, you know, it's, it's going to be a lot harder for the good stuff to come out of it. But when you're, when you're believing and you're hopeful and you're, you're striving to do better, I think that's, you know, that's when you see things start to change and come around. So for people struggling, know that, you know, everything happens in this perfect timing. My daughter taught me that at the age of five years old. Uh, and, that would, you know, and that would be a lesson and a story I'd share with, uh, with your audience. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's amazing. <clears throat> so for those listening, mm -hmm. and, and I would encourage everybody listening to check out your podcast. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious about your book uh the the one with all the quotes do you have other books besides that one so so um um the the we wrote a book in 2008 called and i, and I probably got it somewhere over my shoulder on my shelf behind me somewhere um and it was called basketball talk the way it should be and it was it was a it was a collection of of quotes from all of our guests we thought it was really really cool and and so we did that, and we donated stuff to charity. Um, and it was it wasn't done to be famous; it was done to be cool. I, we thought it was a cool thing to do. Um, that 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 kind of gave me a bit of a bug. And about three years after that one, um, I was always big on quotes, right? And so um, I, I actually have a book of quotes that I wrote, and uh, the title of the book was called "Gifts from Others," and it was symbolic because. Um, I felt at the time, I still feel to this day, is that um, the, the, the best learnings and the life that we in our lives, they, they come from other people, right? Um, the, the, the most wonderful lessons, the most profound, uh, impactful, um, uh, uh, inspiring lessons comes from other people. And, they, and, and, and they're given to us through our words oftentimes in the form of gifts. And so that's why the book was called Gifts from Others. And it was, it was a quote book that I wrote um that was probably almost almost 10 years ago um but as as as, as you alluded to um there's another book in me that that uh, that uh, uh you know I, I actually started penning a little bit and i still have some work to do but there is certainly another book in me at least two others i got in mind that i need to release and share with the world but yeah that that was and, and i think i've always been big on on, on sharing and that's why i love podcasting so much because um we have no idea I've got no idea what any of your listeners could possibly be going through. Um, and if, if me sharing a story or one of the stories I've shared 
can have any kind of impact, uh, then I think it's, an, it's an incumbent on us to do that. And I, I have no idea what kind of inspiration, what kind of hope, what kind of belief uh, that you can leave people through our words. But if we have them in us, then, then it's important to give. Yeah. <clears throat> so, so awesome. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me and, and sharing so much um, for, for those listening that, that want to check out your podcast that want to maybe connect with you on social media. Um, do you have a website that they could go to? Yeah. Uh, thanks. So thank, thank you. Um, my, my website uh, is best audaciouslife.com. Um, that's, you know, that, that, that's the theme of my podcast, right? Is uh, the audacious living podcast is really was established to help individuals live their best audacious lives ever. And uh, sometimes people get confused with what audacious means. Cause it's like, you know, you're the loudest person in the room, you're the life of the party. And it's, that's not, that's not it at all. Uh, you know, to, to live that audacious bold life is to take those risks and chances that we're supposed to and take those leaps of faith that we were intended to, that we were just second guessing or had fear about. And so uh, uh, th th that's really the crux of the podcast. So best audaciouslife.com is my website. Uh, my name is Audley Stevenson. I'm across, uh, if you Google that name, there's not too many of us. I'm outside of my, my father. And then my son, because I passed the oddly named down name as well. So there, there are a couple of us out there, but we are connected in some degree. Um, and then on, on, on social media platforms, I'm simply the odd man, T-H-E-A-U-D-M-A-N, the odd man. Um, and, and, and that's where you can find me. By all means, uh, I, you know, I, I, I love engaging and sharing. So if your listeners want to connect, by all means, please do so. But And, and the podcast itself is The Audacious Living Podcast, easy to find. Um, is probably easier than I am to find, but it's out there nonetheless. And I'd encourage you to check it out. I think I've, I, I, you know, I guess I started late, this late, so December of 2020, and I'm probably up to about a, about 140 episodes we've done thus far, and uh, it's still going strong and feeling good about the content uh, that we're sharing with the rest of the world. Yeah, man, awesome. I so I will have uh, I'll have links to your website and your show. Sure. um in in the show notes so all all you guys out there listening guys and gals listening um please check out his website check out his podcast uh man phenomenal thank you so much yeah this is this is awesome uh, um I, I, you know i i i when i reflect back uh you know even to you know the conversation that you and i had you know we had uh, you, you, you made a, a, a lot of really, really fantastic points that resonated with me. Um, but if there's one thing that I sort of take away from that, from our chat, uh, is, is, is the whole idea of uh, when you talk about being in those macho environments, right? And, 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 and uh, um, individuals that are afraid to uh, show feeling and show emotion and be vulnerable. Um, that, that, that's something that, that, that has resonated with me and it stuck with me. And, um, I'm really appreciative that we had that opportunity to have that dialogue um, because it is, is it's, it's innate to leadership. It's an important aspect of leadership uh, that I believe we all uh, should be practicing our lives at some point or another. So thank you for that. Uh, thank you for the chat. Uh, your, your episode isn't quite public yet, but I'm working on it, so it'll be out soon. Um, thank you for the time today. Uh, again, I, I love the way that you, you, you transitioned and 
pivot, if you will. I know pivot was a big word uh, throughout the pandemic. Uh, but I love the way you've pivoted this in this direction and a manner in which you're you're sharing, enlightening, and helping others. So congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel like if if I can do something similar to what you're doing, I'm you know I'm doing okay. So you are, Dave. Believe me, you are. You absolutely are. You know, you you uh, have created a platform to have these dialogues. And these dialogues are so, so, so important. Um, we've, we've learned a lot about um, the impacts of mental health the last couple of years and the severity and, and, and how deadly it potentially can be. And so uh, to have these platforms where we can have these dialogues, talk about emotions, talk about feelings, talk about our things that, are, that are, you know, make us vulnerable. Um, I think the more of those conversations that we can have, the better for all of us in the long run. So you, as far as I'm concerned, you're right there with me all the way shoulder to shoulder, my friend. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, man, I, I, I look forward to publishing this episode and uh, talking to you in the future. I, I would love to stay connected. 100%. We will. We will, Dave. Thank you. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of From Embers to Excellence. Please like and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Follow me on your favorite podcast platform and visit hollenbachleadership.com for additional content. My goal is and always will be to add value to as many people as possible. So if I can be of any assistance to you or someone you know, please connect with me via email or on one of my social media accounts linked on the homepage of my website. Remember, our failures don't define us unless we let them, and the only true measure of a leader is the success of their team.